Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two, episode number 30. Can you believe it, Crowley? The Cubs and Dodgers just wrapped up their series. Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, I hope you had a good weekend. It was okay for our Cubbies as they split with the Dodgers. We're calling this one Drew Smiley's nearly perfect. The Cubs, well, not so much. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the Cubs talk, took the series out in L.A. The, the Dodgers took it here, but as far as the season series, the Dodgers once again victorious as they are going to take it. Uh, was it four games to two? So it, there was a four-game series. They took three. Yep, four games to three. Four, four three, not bad, I would say. So can't really complain all that much, I guess, comparing no, last no. last year you lost seven to them. This year they, you lost four to them. Right. And uh, I think uh, Mother Nature maybe helped the Cubs a little bit. But uh, we'll, uh, let's uh, let's roll through it, right, Crowley? Let's talk about uh, game number one that takes us back uh, to uh, the weekend and that uh, a couple days back. And the Cubs got some bad news on Thursday, right? Yeah, you know, on, on Wednesday night, they find out that Jamison Tyone has to go on the 15-day IL with what the Cubs are calling a left groin strain. 
supposedly that occurred on Wednesday while playing catch in Oakland. So that was going to be the opening day starter when we, when we kind of, you know, talking about the probables. And so that caused the Cubs to call up Javier Assad to take the start for the Cubs against Michael Grove. So Assad has been working long relief. So he wasn't going to be going six, seven innings. So you knew this was going to be a bullpen game. And there were two names that you just got so sick of hearing in this four game series. Max Muncie and James Outman. And thank God we don't have to see either of those two guys for the rest of the year, unless, you know, baseball guys will and they end up in the postseason or something. But unbelievable. So Javier Assad's in. He's starting top of the second. Max Muncie homered, or you're going to hear that a lot. Oof. But Cody Bellinger continued to torment his ex team, hitting a solo home run in the bottom of the second to tie it at one. James Outman, who tortured the Cubs in Los Angeles, hits a solo home run in the third to put the Dodgers back up in front two to one. The Cubs are going to tie it up in the fourth when Eric Osmer led off with a walk. Trey Mancini will double, and after Tucker Barnhart struck out, Nico Horner singled to tie the game, but Trey Mancini was thrown out at home on that play by, here's that name again, James Outman. Boy, did he have a, he had a nice weekend in Chicago if you're an L.A. Dodger fan. Yeah, that's how the score would stay. Tied it to until the ninth inning when Michael Fulmer, who the last time uh, he faced the Dodgers ended up blowing a save, he came into the game. David Peralta and Michael Var- Miguel Vargas led off the inning with back-to-back singles. Mookie Becks flied out. And then Fulmer got pinch hitter Jason Hayward to strike out. So you have two outs. And you have ba- now you have James Outman up to the plate. And at that point, he just absolutely crushes one grand slam, four to two or six to two, and that's how the game will end. Michael Fulmer, the Cubs had two runs on six hits. They left six on base and went one for seven with run and runners in scoring position. Again, Mancini thrown out in the plate by Outman. Mancini was two for four with the double, which was good. And Javier uh, Cody Bellinger had a home run. But Javier Assad went three innings, gave up two runs on three hits, two walks, and three Ks. Alzali pitched a clean inning. Brandon Hughes pitched two innings. Rucker and Brad Boxberger each pitched one. And then Michael Fulmer was tagged with the loss, his second of the season, giving up three hits, four runs, and one walk. Yeah, gotta- I was uh, <laughs> I was really upset, obviously, with Michael Fulmer um, in that situation. And I also had to question a little bit, about Assad starting. I know Assad can't go as long as we would like him to go because they needed to get him stretched out even further. But in hindsight, what if you would have started Alzale and gotten two innings out of Alzale and then maybe brought in Assad for two innings? Um, is there a possibility that the Cubs are up two to nothing at that point and not in a in a tie game? Perhaps right because you know, of what, you because, of what Assad, that, because of what Assad gave up early on. I think they want to make sure that Alzali has a defined role. I don't think they want to play with it. The guys had some injury histories. But his just, only defined role is to come in and out of the bullpen, Crowley. It's not like he's the seventh inning guy or the eighth inning guy or the ninth. I mean, he 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 moves around. But right? Assad and, Assad has been someone that has started games, and 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 who knows? The bigger issue that we got to really talk about is the closer's job. Okay. So the Cubs have had five save opportunities in the first 19 games. Fulmer has been on the mound for three of those save opportunities and has blown two of them, Okay, both against the Dodgers. And here, Dustin, is my my issue. And this, and, and this is where I, when you talk about Alzali starting, 
I don't know if you remember, I talked about my belief is that maybe Alzali will be a closer by the end of the season. Yeah, uh, I've said that. Yep. You know, so the trouble I have with Fulmer is he doesn't have swing and miss stuff. He pitches to contact and he's getting barreled up pretty good. I literally wrote this on Friday morning. He's getting barreled up pretty good. We could say that again today. That's not a great combo for a closer. You can't have a guy who pitches to contact plus a guy that's getting absolutely smoked uh, every time the ball gets hit. So the question is who's next, and this is where I'm struggling, Dustin, because Keegan and Adbert have been good in a multi-inning role going, you know, two innings, right? You know, getting two, maybe three innings out of those guys. Boxberger usually is better off as a setup man. He pitched the ninth the other day and did not have a lot of luck during this weekend. Michael Rucker, to me, has looked mediocre. Brandon Hughes is doing well, but he's the only lefty. And then Leiter Jr. has been another guy who's had some good results, but there were some concerns how hard he's being hit. They, they track something called barreled, right? How many balls are being barreled. And that's a combination of anything over 98 miles per hour and then a certain launch angle. And so even though Leiter's gotten some big outs, when they're making contact, it, it's, it's hard contact. It's going for outs and has been until this weekend, but it's something to be concerned about. And so... Again, I sit here and I think Alzali to me right now is the guy that best fits the role of what a closer should be. Another interesting option is recently called up Jeremiah Estrada, but that's putting a lot on a youngster who just came up from the minors. That's but your I, guy. That's, that's your my guy. guy. That's my guy. We'll see what happens. So. We'll see what happens. I, I would be at this point, Crawley. I, I would be. I'd be okay with that. I give him. I give him a chance. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying a hard no on it. That's for darn sure. I would like to go seven Boxberger, eight Alzali, nine Estrada. That would be ideal. Or go the other way, seven Boxberger, eight Estrada, nine Alzali. I would like to play around with it somewhat. I don't know what it is. I just know it can't keep going the way it's going. Absolutely right. So let's move in. Cubs are down in the series, one games to none. Let's move into uh, game number two, and that was on uh, Friday afternoon at the Friendly Confines. All day baseball, all day baseball the rest of the way. Rest of the way, yes, 120 the way God intended it. So, after another frustrating start against Michael Grove, who apparently the Cubs are the only ones that can't beat this guy, they had the difficult task of facing Julio Urias, and the wind was howling out. The flags were stiff, straight out to center, and the Cubs' once offense jumped all over Urias, scoring two in the first, one in the second, nothing in the fourth, none in the fourth, but then scored seven runs in the fifth inning. Dustin, the Cubs scored 13 runs and 17 hits. Hap, Suzuki, Bellinger, Wisdom all hit doubles. Nick Magical had a triple. And then Bellinger, Mancini, Wisdom, even Nico Horner hits his first home run. So with the wind howling out, right, must have been a tough, tough day for both pitchers, right? For Urias and Smiley, wrong. Funny thing, Dustin, is that Smiley said before the game, he was talking to the media after the game was over, he said, before the game, I actually had the worst pregame bullpen I can remember. And you know what that made me think of was the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game. Yeah. Kerry Wood said the exact same thing. A lot of comparisons. Uh, a lot of people talked about that. So once the game starts, he is completely locked in. He's perfect through seven innings. Now keep in mind, the Cubs have never had a perfect game in their 147 year history. They almost had one. Milt Pappas, 1972, on a three-two count, Bruce Fremming calls ball four. To this day, 
to the day Milt Pappas died, he was furious about that. <laughs> and so Pappas went on to finish the game with a no-hitter, which was the last time a Cubs pitcher has thrown a no-hitter at Wrigley Field, 1972. Smiley struck out 10 Dodgers, and any time they did hit the ball, it was weak contact. Out of the first 21 batters that Smiley faced, only three had an exit velo over 90 miles per hour. So, of course, just baseball being baseball, the weakest hit of the day was the one that ended Smiley's bid for perfection. Pinch hitter David Peralta hits a ball probably less than 30 miles per hour, a dribbler right up the grass on the third baseline. Smiley and catcher Jan Gomes are both desperately trying to get to the ball. Gomes falls over, kind of like kind of leapfrogs. Uh, Smiley, Smiley, it's like falls a horsey down. back ride almost. Yep, and the Dodger that ends the perfecto. The crowd gave Smiley a huge standing ovation. And again, when Ross pulled him from the game, two batters later. Now, a, a real, real quick, Dustin. It was interesting, at, you know, at the game when you're there. It, the, it was so wild because of all the offense and everyone's going crazy. But then around the fifth inning, you know, you, everyone's kind of starting to realize, wait, something's going on here. And then every out from like the middle of the fifth on, the crowd's getting louder and louder and everybody is just getting juiced. It was so amazing until, like I said, that's, you know, you're in the eighth inning and, and you have a perf perfect game going and you're looking at it. I have never seen a no-hitter. I had tickets to the Carlos Zambrano game in, in Milwaukee, and I could not make it. And then I was at the game where Ted Lilly pitched a no-hitter against the White Sox in the ninth, which was uh, busted up by Juan Pierre. And I thought maybe I would see history once again, but it's not to be. One thing that was interesting, though, Dustin, is that Smiley threw over 90 pitches going into the eighth. He After the first hit, he faced two more batters, and then um, Estrada comes in, but he threw 103 pitches. Are you surprised that Ross left him in the game after the perfect game bid ended and the Cubs up big time? Well, I am, but I wondered, did they not have anybody up yet? Was that the reason why he was left into in the game at that point? That That's what I kind of think. And based on... You know they weren't hard pitches, if that makes any sense. The yeah. hundred and like he 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 was having an easy day of it. He wasn't overly exerting himself. Um, so yes, I was, but I wondered if it was because they didn't have anybody up and ready to go. And that's what you're you know you're talking about those high stress innings where the pitcher really has to work to get out of it. And so Ross was asked after the game if even regardless of the pitch count, would he have sent him out in the ninth? And Ross said, "Yeah, I would have rode him harder than Jan did." So. A fun afternoon of baseball, and, and for those that witnessed it, it was a game you're not going to forget anytime soon. So game number three, Crowley, the series is tied 1-1, and game number three, uh, Hayden Wisniewski was out there, but before the game started, there was actually snow flurries in April at Wrigley Field. Not the first, won't be the last. That April is just a goofy month to go to a ball game, and, and it, I think it was snowing a little bit here today. My friend John Benedict on the organ playing Let It Snow. It's never <laughs> a good sign when Johnny B is playing that on the organ. But this saw Hayden facing off against Derek May. Neither pitcher was involved in that series out in L.A. last week. And so this time it was the Dodgers' turn to hit some home runs. Wisniewski not sharp again. The only game he's really looked decent in was the Oakland game, which isn't saying much. 
He loaded the bases in the first with no outs, was able to give out of, get out of it, giving up only one run and then getting a double play. So that was good. And the Cubs were able to answer in their half of the first by loading the bases with no outs. Say it hit into a force out that tied the game, but with runners in the corners and one out, they couldn't drive in any more runs. Guess who's back? James Outman's back. He puts the Dodgers up two to one with a solo home run, and his day was just getting started. Next time Outman came up to bat in the fourth inning, Jamie D. Martinez was standing at third, so Outman hit an RBI single to make it three to one. Cubs got one back in the bottom of the fourth when C.S. Suzuki was hit by a pitch and scored on an Eric Hosmer double to make it a three-two game. Sixth inning, James D. Martinez walk, Heyman Hayward flied out, James Outman singled, and then Miguel Vargas singled to score Martinez. Cubs are down 4-2. Dodgers added to their lead in the seventh when Freddie Friedman hit out one-out single, and Max Muncy homered off Mark Leiter to make it 6-2. Now, Nico pulled the Cubs closer when he homered in the bottom of the seventh with Edwin Rios along for the ride. That was uh, Nico's second homer in consecutive games. And it was only a two-run game going into the ninth, 6-4 when Brad Boxberger came out to pitch, but then Max Muncy hit a solo home run, his second of the game. And then James Altman with a runner on hits a two-run blast to make it 9-4. to four, And that would be the cup final. Cubs had four runs on five hits. That's not going to do it, five hits. Nico was two for five. So he almost had half the Cubs hits with two RBIs and a homer. Uh, Wesniski, Dustin, still struggling, 4.1. Gave up five hits, three runs, one walk. And here's where I keep getting concerned, only one strikeout. The thing about Wesniski in the spring and last fall is he was striking a lot of guys out. It just seems like he's fighting his mechanics. He's fighting everything. It's not good. Well, when I think I agree, it's not good. And he's trying too hard. I think he's a really good kid. I think he's got the stuff. I think his uh, ego, his confidence is a little bit shaken right now. And I'm wondering if we don't see him make the next start. I wonder if they skip him and or move him down. Um, I think they've got till the weekend when they need the fifth starter again coming up, the off day coming up. So I wonder if they're going to skip Wesneski and maybe try to get him his confidence built back up in the minors for a couple starts. No, they can't do it because of the injury to Jamison Tyone. So what will end up happening is he's going to be pitching against the Padres. Uh, to finish up game three, Brandon Hughes gave up one run. Mark Leiter gave up two runs and Brad Boxberger gave up three runs. So not the greatest game for the bullpen either. Alzali pitched one scoreless inning, and Michael Rucker pitched .2 innings of shutout ball. Well, regardless of whether or not Crowley is pitching against the Padres, that's my suggestion is they give him <laughs> a couple of days off and move him down to get his confidence back up. But we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, Saturday's game, I was uh, in the car for most of the game, had it on the radio, and, uh, and at one point gave up and uh, put on some music because it was uh, incur- just terribly frustrating. Yep, it definitely was. All right, so then we move into today. It's Sunday Fun Day, game at number four of the series. And the pitching matchup everybody was talking about, Crowley, Marcus Stroman versus uh, Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw. Yeah, this is this is one that uh, we were all excited about, you know, two aces. And then the funny thing is neither pitcher had that great of a day. Started out good for the Cubs. In the bottom of the first, Nico Horner reached on an air by Max Muncy at third. And... Um, he was able to make it to second on that air. He would come around to score by uh, on a single by Cody Bellinger. James Altman, who didn't seem to do anything wrong this series, did make a mistake. He threw it to home rather than to the cutoff man. And so Cody alertly went to second on that. 
And there was no way they were getting Horner out at home. So, you know, that proved to be a big play. Isaiah Suzuki would hit an RBI single to score belly. And that gave the Cubs a 2-0 lead. That lead wouldn't last long because in the top of the third, Austin Barnes, one of the worst hitters in baseball, .065 average, got his second hit of the season in 31 at-bats, a single to right. And then Mookie Betts, who the Cubs have did, done a great job containing through seven ga- through six games, um, you know, he hit a two-run homer to tie it up. And I'm going to blame Boog Shambi on that two-run home run, by the way. I don't know if you caught it when you were watching the game. Maybe you were listening to Pat and Ron on the score. But either way, I was watching on television, had the uh, TV sound nice and loud in the house by myself. Uh, Boog talking about how much Mookie Betts hates the cold and pointing out that he had double batting gloves on, two sets of thermal underpants on, double sweatshirt on. Boom! Boom! I'm like, Boog, I blame you. You jinxed it, man. He was the mush on that one. All right. He was the mush. Nice moment does occur after that because the next batter is Freddie Freeman. Marcus Stroman strikes him out for his 1,000th career strikeout. Cheers to the home plate umpire Eric Bacchus, who let Marcus have a moment, accept the cheers from the fan. Stroh acknowledges the fans before starting the pitch clock. Common sense. That's how easy it can be. It's not difficult, people. The game would stay tied until Jan Gomes. Yes, Jan Gomes hit a solo home run in the bottom of the fifth. Dustin, get this stat. Jan Gomes had eight runs, home runs for the Cubs last season. He has four in the month of April in 2023. Not bad. Not bad at all. If they had won the game, maybe he would have had a, a different uh, different hat on. So he was wearing the cowboy hat. He wore the, uh, he wore the football helmet. I don't know what hat he would have pulled out this time. Who knows, but the Dodgers would answer in the sixth as a, with a leadoff home run to Freeman, and then Max Muncy crushed one, and the Cubs would trail for the first time, four to three. Um, and so right after that, uh, so you had a leadoff walk to Freeman, Muncy crushes one, so they're down four to three, followed by a J.D. Martinez home run to make it five to three. Stroh would not make it out of the sixth inning for the first time this season. You know, man, you're not going to sit there and, and get mad at Stroh. I mean, that was just not the greatest game. But, I mean, he's been excellent all season so far. Oh, yeah, he's been great. I, I wonder if uh, we heard that report from Bruce Levine that he and the Cubs potentially are talking about an extension. I hope that that's not a distraction for Strowman. Who knows? But as we kind of take a look at this, Dustin, right? It's it's five to three. No no Cubs come back from way worse than that, right? You're a blooper oh, yeah. blast away right. from you're never, you're never you're never out of it at that point, though. No. So David Ross calls on Michael Fulmer to keep it close in the ninth. Once again he struggles with two outs. Michael Vargas singles. Fulmer walked one of the worst hitters in baseball, as I mentioned before, Austin Barnes. How do you walk Austin Barnes? Someone tell me. And then Mookie Betts doubled on a line drive to left, and the Cubs were down 77-3, and that's how it would end. A little bit of controversy. Cubs loaded the bases in the ninth with a Patrick Wisdom single. Mancini on an 0-2 count reaches on catcher's interference. Thank you very much. Torrens lined out, so you got one out, but then Jan Gomes singles to load the bases with one out. Now, Nick Madrigal at this point in game was 0 for 4 on the day. You also had Ian Happ who had the day off on the bench. So Ross had a decision. Roll with Madrigal, good contact hitter. He had rolled into one double play all season. Or does he go with the power bat Ian Happ? 
Unfortunately, well, I mean it's not it's not even a question, right? I mean, to me, it's not even a question. I mean, Ian Happ is your guy, right? He is the one that you rely on, um, and he's Ross's guy. Ross loves that guy, right? And so it was surprising that he let Magical take the at bat, and he grounded in his double play first of the game, and that was it. So. I'm sure that's going to be the talk on the Mully Hall show tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, it's that, you know, the other thing. And I, I did not see an ape, and you're going to tell me, because I'm sure you did. If you didn't, it's okay. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I did not see, other than the highlights or the lowlights, if you will, any of Saturday's game on television. All Everything I caught was either on my app or on the radio. Did David Ross have a winter snow cap on Saturday afternoon? I was watching, but I guess I, I think he might have, to be honest. I, I hate that, okay? But you're in the dugout. You can. You're, I'm not saying he needs to have a short sleeve shirt on, but you set a tone with that damn winter cap, okay, <laughs> that you're out there and it's too cold. You're saying it's too cold to be out here to be playing baseball. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate that look. I hate it. Okay, there's a heat warmer in there. He can wear warmers in his underpants. He can wear warmers in his. He can drink hot coffee and and hot chicken soup all day you don't have to put on the face that it's cold out we all know it's cold out but you know come on let's go you set the tone david ross it doesn't make any sense why would you go to fulmer in that situation fulmer should have gotten the rest of the weekend off unless it was mop-up duty at that point and then he doesn't play ian happ i mean was ian like having beers in the clubhouse was it a real full day off I mean, th that doesn't make any sense at all it makes no sense, except I'm sure, and you, you're pretty good at these stats, um, there must be some note out there that uh, Ian Happ with the bases loaded against this guy is no damn good. It's I take my chances. I take my chances. But you, you, I don't have any numbers saying one way or the other, but usually you would think to roll the dice in that situation, but he didn't. And it didn't help that the Cubs' offense disappeared And tomorrow's again. a day off, Crowley. Tomorrow yep. is a day off. Right. And so the Cubs had only three runs on six hits, but two of those hits came on the ninth. So if you think about it, right, you had six hits, but you only had four hits through eight innings. Bellinger was two for four. So Bellinger, you know, Horner was two for four. That's about it. So, I mean, you don't have any guys, you kind of slump in here. Stroman went five innings pitch. He gave up five runs on six hits, one walk, five Ks. He gave up three home runs. Brandon Hughes pitched another inning, nice inning. Keegan Thompson with another good two. And then Fulmer just being a disaster in the ninth. So hopefully the Cubs figure that out sooner rather than later. Just, you know, I didn't expect them to win the series against the Dodgers, right? I didn't expect that. And the game that they won is actually the game that I expected them to lose. But right. I was really, really frustrated about how, how Sunday went. Uh, but all right. We'll, we'll my get my, into, my, we'll get my frustration was again you couldn't get to Michael Grove. I'm, I I just I still that just baffles me today. You know Clayton Kershaw. You know he's a great pitcher, man. Hey, all right. You know uh, Julio Urias. You pounded him. Congratulations. Great job. That was really hard to do. Michael Grove and Derek May. No, not I, I don't know. 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 30, Cubs dropping 3 of 4 from the Dodgers. In this segment, Crawley talks to Mick Gillespie, play-by-play announcer for the Tennessee Smokies, to talk about Cubs' loaded double-A team. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have your play-by-play announcer for your Tennessee Smokies. As we continue our Down on the Farm segment, we have now moved up to double-A. Mick Gillespie, how are you, buddy? Yeah, what do you say, man? I'm doing good, and uh, glad to talk to you, Crawley. I'm, let's get some beers, man. Absolutely. Now, I'm looking at this right here, and you're, you're talking about a Tennessee Smoky team that I think was one game away from the championship last year, correct? Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we had uh, two chances to win it all for the first time since Tony La Russa was our manager in 1978, and that didn't happen. And so we have the second longest drought in minor league baseball without a championship on the field. Well, you know, Mick, I'm just looking at this this team <laughs> that you have right now. This Tennessee Smoky team has 11 of the top 30 prospects. Have you, in all your years uh, of calling baseball, have you seen a team so stacked as the one that currently is playing in Tennessee? I mean, look, we've had some really good teams since I've been there. I mean, I've been there a long time. Um, But this team definitely has talent. You know, it's – and we got a great manager too, Michael Ryan. I think that he's a guy who could help the Cubs. He could be a great bench coach for David Ross. I mean, he's one of the best baseball guys I've ever been around. So, you know, we have talent and and we have the right leadership. So I'm kind of hoping that this is the year that – they figure out a way to uh, be the last team standing at the end. Yeah. And when you, when you look at the guys on here, a lot of the guys, I I got a chance because South Bend's real close to my, it's not far, you know, from the Chicagoland area, you know, are guys that, that I saw last year and some of them ended up coming up uh, mid year into Tennessee. And now the rest of them are up here. So there's gotta be kind of a great feeling of camaraderie and comfortability with all the guys that are on the team. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of guys that probably should be in AAA, and that also goes to show, you know, how good the Cubs' uh, upper levels of the minor leagues are right now because um, it's there are a lot of 
players that could be helping out in the big leagues. You know, if Matt Mervis was in the big leagues and Bryce Ball would be in AAA, right? Uh, right. We have Andy Weber, you know, Kane uh, Eckerd is a guy who could be in AAA right now. So, you know, we, I think we have, you know, nine or 11 guys that could be in AAA. And, um, you know, that just shows you how talented the Cubs minor league system is at the top. And this team is definitely a team that has some players on it that I think are going to end up playing for someone in the big leagues, uh, you know, and hopefully it's the Cubs. Now, as I kind of take a look at the catching position, it, it's one that, that interests me a lot because you have one guy who's been a prospect for a long time. It's been on a lot of people's radars in Miguel Amaya. And the other is a guy that was really beloved in South Bend, like just with the community, like the kids absolutely love this guy and Pablo Aliendo. How much fun is it watching those two guys? And, and how does Miguel Amaya look right now? I mean, you know, we, we pray that he stays healthy, but that's kind of just been the issue with him the entire time. Yeah, I'll start with him. Uh, a couple of long home runs. I think he had like 800 feet of home runs uh, a couple of days ago, right? Two, two home runs out of the stadium. And the biggest issue for him has been staying healthy. You know, he's still working on arm strength. He had the Tommy John surgery. Uh, but I, honestly, he's, he's done a really good job. You know, he, he looks the part behind the plate. He's been able to swing the bat. Um, he's a menace in the lineup. And then uh, Pablo, uh, you know, does a lot of things right. The, 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 the crazy thing about the way the game is about to be played, you know, with the bigger bases and, you know, you're only allowed two throws to first base is that stealing bases looks a lot like the 1982 Cardinals <laughs> with Willie McGee and, and Vince Coleman and those guys like, Everybody's trying to steal bases and it's up to the pitchers to try to keep the guys close to the bag. And then it's, it's, you know, Aliendo and Amaya's job to try to throw them out. So uh, the success rate in major league baseball, the success rate in the minor leagues hasn't been very high. Uh, But both of these guys have a chance. You know, I look at what the Cubs have in the major leagues right now, and I don't see anything that tells me long-term stability. And so I think both of these guys have a lot to play for. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about Pablo that, that, that I got to kind of know a little bit is he just kind of has a lot of the intangibles that don't really show up on the stat sheet and, and just really good leader, really a guy that kind of hits in the clutch, you know, th- those type of things, which are yeah. fun to see. And uh, you know, when I look at first base, you mentioned Bryce ball uh, acquired in the Jock Peterson trade and BJ Murray, I know that uh, BJ played in the World Baseball Classic and, and you know, it looked like he had a good time out there. And then Bryce Ball is a guy that always just kind of interests me to just see, you know, what that kid can do as far as his development. Yeah, uh, talked to Bryce Ball today. We had a uh, season ticket holder event and, and, you know, just got to talk to him a little bit as part of that. And I like him. I mean, he's a really good kid. Got him, as you mentioned, for Jock Peterson. Um, he's a big guy playing first base. The crazy thing is that the Smokies have had like a four-man rotation at that position this year. So it's been B.J. Murray and Bryce Ball and Nelson Maldonado, you know, and some other guys that are mixing in there. And, I mean, you're 13 games in and you've had four guys play first base. Um, 
you know, last year it was Matt Marvis and Bryce Ball. Uh, Bryce Ball is your prototypical first baseman. He's a big guy. Um, I think he's a little bit better at the position defensively than Matt Mervis. And, um, you know, I'm curious to see kind of where this season leads him. You know, um, I, I don't see Murray as like a prototypical first baseman. Um, he's played different spots in the infield. Uh, but he's also a fun guy to watch. But it, it's hard. I mean, you know, I compare everyone to Derek Lee and, and, and Anthony Rizzo and, you know, some of the – and Mark Grace, who was my favorite Cub as a kid, you know, and their, and their ability to play defense at first base. Uh, I think Ball has that potential, and, and it, but he's got to reach it, you know. And, and it's a position that I see in the big leagues that's definitely open right now. You know, I mean, I know they have Eric Hosmer, but I don't think he's a long-term fix. So, you know, is it going to be Matt Mervis? Is it going to be Bryce Ball, you know, B.J. Murray, whoever? Somebody, I think, out of this Cubs system has an opportunity to jump in there and take it. Now, one guy that you mentioned that you said had AAA potential, Andy Weber play, has played some second, and Chase Strumpf, is, is, he's had a couple seasons in Tennessee so far, and – you know, he, he's a, he's a guy that, that interests a lot of people as far as whether he can have a big breakout season this year. Yeah. Well, well, well let's start with, uh, with chase, uh, chase Strump has the, the defensive ability to go to the big leagues tomorrow and be a contributor. You know, he, he can catch him. You can put him at third, you can put him at second. He's a really good defender for him. It's, of the middle away slider making contact he's got power um i really like him not not baseball i just like him i think he's a really cool guy and a a really smart guy you know so i you know he's definitely somebody that i pull for and i i would love to see him kind of be uh you know kind of figure it all out and, and it's mentally tough, you know, when, when you expect to be in AAA, you want to move up, and then you're back again. You know, he hit over 20 home runs last year. He was really clutch, uh, and he played great defense. It's all about making contact for him. And the, and the crazy thing is that when they drafted him out of UCLA, they, they thought, well, he's going to be a contact guy, but he's been more of a power guy, you know. So um, would love to see – him make more contact, lay off some of those pitches, take some walks. But there's no one that likes him more than I do just as a person. And I I really hope that it happens for him. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at, at, at shortstop and I've, I've seen that Luis Vasquez has played the most of it. And Luis has been around a while and he's kind of been, I don't know, what would you say all over the system so far, right? Look, Luis Vasquez is going to be, on a big league roster at some point because he can play shortstop as well as anyone. Uh, and, and I'm guessing that the Cubs will eventually say, Hey, you know what? We, we just need somebody to, that can come up here and, and pick it. You know, um, he hit two home runs in today's game. If that bat really plays like it has over the last week, it, it's not going to take him long to be up there because his he looks like he's on ice skates playing that shortstop spot. He can really pick it. He's got the great arm. Uh, he's got excellent instincts defensively. You know, it's all been about, you know, him hitting. And over the last week, that's what he's done. Uh, I love him. I, I just think, like, 
for me, I want someone in that shortstop position that can make all the plays, and he's that guy. So, um, you know, whether it's with the Cubs or someone else, I really believe that he's going to be a big leaguer. And if he can hit, if you know, if he can continues to develop the bat, uh, he's an everyday guy for me. Uh, I mean, he can already play the position defensively. It's all about the bat. Uh, so if, if that continues to come around, I mean, he's a real find. Now, the guys that I talk to, the minor leaguers, they always say, you know, when I've talked to guys that have been in the AAA and all that stuff, they always say that the jump from high A to double A seems to be one of the toughest jumps right now. And one guy who just did that, third baseman Luis Verdugo. So still early in the season, still kind of trying to find his way, right? Yeah, Verdugo has a long way to go, and it is a really tough jump. Um, you're talking about talent right now. Michael Ryan, our manager, was saying that, you know, a lot of people feel like prospect-wise, pitching-wise, that double-A is even better than triple-A right now. You know, mm -hmm. you're talking about 76% retention rate as far as the arms go. Uh, some teams have every single pitcher back from last year. And, you know, Verdugo is right now overwhelmed with what is happening here. But that's part of the process, you know. Like, you, you go through this. Um, you know, you strike out a lot. You you got to learn how to uh, attack some of these pitchers. And, um, you know, that's what he's going through. But you look at his numbers and you know that eventually he's going to figure it out. And that's what makes this so tough, um, that it is a really big jump from, you know, A ball to double A. And, and honestly, the, the, the other jump that's big is triple A to the big leagues, you know. And, uh, and I've heard that for years and years. And some people feel like the jump from a ball to double a is really kind of higher than triple a to the big leagues. You know, I guess it's just, you know, kind of how you're looking at it, but um, we're only 13, 14 games in, man. I mean, we've got a lot of baseball to play. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, so if I'm him, you know, just go out there and, and just keep on taking your lumps and figure it out. I mean, I, I think that's, what's going to happen. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. This is segment number three. It's season two. It's episode 30. We're talking rosters, and we're going to preview the Padres, but we don't want you to forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. All right, Crowley, the Cubs have uh, dropped uh, three or four to the Dodgers as they have a day off on Monday. Let's talk about Tuesday. Take a look at the standings as the Padres are coming to Wrigley Field. Yep, it is just absolutely unreal. Milwaukee's still in first place, 15 and 6. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10. The
the Pittsburgh Pirates on a seven-game win streak. They're 16-7, and seven percentage points behind the Brewers. The Cubs are 12-9. and nine. They've lost their last two. They're 6-4. and four. St. Louis, 8-13, and 4-6 and six in their last 10 on a two-game losing streak. And Cincinnati in the basement, 7-15. and 15. They are going the opposite way of the Pirates. They've lost six in a row and two and eight out of their last 10. So, you know, it's just really hard. The Cubs can't make a mistake because the two teams in front of them keep rolling. Keep rolling. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not buying into the Pirates just yet. But, it, it, I mean, your record is what it is. Um, I think the Cubs have had a much better April than any of us could have uh, expected. And, and Crowley, we're getting some big news on Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about Jamison Tyone going down. We talked about, um, you know, we talked about Hayden Wisniewski really struggling lately. Well, Kyle Hendricks, David Ross told the beat writers that Hendricks has thrown a three-inning simulated game on Saturday. Then he's going to throw a side session in a few days, which is what starters normally do. That's normally their routine. They throw. A few days later, they have their side session. A few more days, they have their start. So he, if all goes well... He will start a, if he all goes well on his side session in a few days, he will start a rehab assignment. Now, the Cubs want him to pitch in a warm climate, so he's not going to pitch in Iowa. He uh, Chances are he's either going to play for the Smokies, who are going to take on the Birmingham Barons in Alabama, or for the Myrtle, or for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, who will be taking on the Charleston River Dogs in South Carolina. So both of those warm climate areas, it, they, they don't care what level their pitch hit, the hitters are. They just want him to go out and, and, and play his games like he normally would in, in weather that is conducive and, and, and just you don't have to worry about, you know, muscles getting cold or cramping up or anything like that. So he's not going to be at South Bend. There is some, there is some talk about that. That's not going to happen. No, no, nowhere where there's even a chance of it being cold, where it might be in the early 50, you know, upper 50s. They want him pitching where it's like 60s, 70s, maybe even 80s. So, no, no no, Kyle Hendricks and South Bend, no. All right, we also talked about, to start the podcast, about the news that Jamison Tyone uh, is on the IL with a strained groin. They had Javier Assad come up to take his place, but then he wasn't so great, so they optioned Assad back to AAA Iowa, and then your guy, Crowley, Jeremiah Estrada, was called up. Yeah, Estrada, I mean, let, let's be honest. Assad wasn't awful, I mean, but it was more of they used like six pitchers that day, so you needed – you needed somebody that can take innings and Jeremiah Estrada closed out that game for Drew Smiley. You know, he's a guy that has a lot of heat and he has some pretty wicked stuff. Let, let's see how it plays out in the majors. And my guess is they're not going to put him in high leverage situ- situations to begin with. I see him, you know, coming in fifth, sixth, maybe the seventh to kind of start out, but it's up to him if he really wants to, um, you know, do some more. Hopefully he can, you know, show the Cubs how valuable he is and not get sent back down. All right, Crowley, Monday is a day off for the Cubs. And then on Tuesday, we've got game number one of this series, Justin Steele taking on the visiting Padres. Yep, Justin Steele versus the Padres. We uh, This ought to give, this is going to be um interesting one here. It's going to be Justin Steele, lefty, 3-0, 144 ERA versus Ian Snell, 0-3, 6 ERA. When you take a look at the Cubs versus Snell, Jan Gomes is 273 and 11 at bats. Cody Bellinger might want to take the day off. He's had six at bats and he hits 167 against him. Eric Hosmer may want to be in there. Three at bats, 667, small sample size. And Eric Mancini, uh, or, I'm sorry, Trey Mancini, 
is uh, 300 at 10 at bat. So you could probably see both of those guys, one first base, one DH. And on the flip side, um, they've only, San Diego's only seen steel once. So that's pretty much three at bat. So it's a very small sample size. So most of the guys either have, you know, one hit or two hits. Jake Cronworth had two hits, uh, but everyone else pretty much had three hits. So they don't have a lot of experience against Justin Steele. I like my chances with Justin Steele. I'll tell you that right now, Carly. Never bet against that kid. <laughs> Game two sees a familiar face for Cubs. Drew Smiley coming off that fantastic outing versus the Dodgers, 2-1 and one with a 313 ERA, is going to face old friend Michael Waka. You remember him from the old Cardinal days, 2-1 and one with a 708 ERA. Uh, Tucker Barnhart struggles mightily against Barnhart. Cody Bellinger's 333 at six at-bats. How about Ian Happ? 364 and 11 at-bats against Michael Waka. Eric Hosmer is uh, 273 with 22 at-bats. Uh, and then you have, eh, no one else really has, uh, Drew uh, Dansby Swanson, 273 with 11 at-bats. So over there. And then with Drew Smiley, one of the best hitters right now, and I'll talk about that in a minute, is going to be Xander Bogarts. And he only is 190 against True Smiley and 21 at-bats, so not a small cell, uh, sample size. Their DH, Nelson Cruz, 21 at-bats, 190. Uh, Manny Machado does really good against True Smiley, 18 at-bats, 333 average. And Ruffin Odor, 12 at-bats, 167. So we'll see what happens on this one. And then game number three, Hayden Wesneski, important start for him. Yeah, they're going to do it, and the, the the tough thing is it's going to be against, right now, a guy that's been pitching really well for the Padres, Seth Lugo. Uh, Wesniski's 1-1 with a 6.23 ERA. Seth Lugo, 2-1 with a 2.78 ERA. Cody Bellinger hits 2.86 with 7 at-bats against Lugo. 13 at-bats for Swanson, point oh seven seven. Maybe a day off for him. I know he doesn't want them, but eh, maybe, maybe that's not a good matchup for him. And then no one's seen... Uh, Hayden Wisniewski on San Diego. So as of right now, you're taking a look and you're saying to yourself, okay, let's see what happens. But uh, I, those are the matchups. Those are the probables we got. That's not to say things aren't going to get switched up. Um, like you said with Hayden, maybe they give him another day off or something. Who knows? We will wait and see a little who's hot, who's not. Who is hot for the Cubs? How about Seiya Suzuki? Nine for 21, four runs. Five RBIs, he's hitting 429, 556, 476 slug. Also on that hot list, how about Cody Bellinger in his last 27 at-bats, 11 hits. He has uh, three doubles, two homers, five RBIs. He's slashing 407, 500, and 741. He is hot. As far as the nut, Patrick Wisdom is cooling off. He has eight hits in his last 31 at-bats. Good thing for him. Three of those are homers, nine RBIs. But his average is 258, 281, but he's slugging 67, which is what you kind of expect with Wisdom. But Dansby Swanson is ice cold here right now. He is four for his last 24. No extra base hits. Um, he's walking a lot. Nine walks to seven strikeouts, but he's slashing 167. His on base is 394 because of those walks, but his slug is 167. So he is hurting right now. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Now on the San Diego hot here, look out for Xander Bogarts. Remember the Cubs were really in on him during that um, shortstop sweepstake in the offseason. In 20 at-bats, he has six hits, 
one home run, two RBIs. So he's had slashing 300, 391, 500. Um, after that, Juan Soto's starting to do a little something after a really, really bad start, but not much. So the offense is not really where it needs to be for San Diego. Xander Bogarts is the guy that's really carrying them right now. On the cold side, maybe we're catching Manny Machado at the right time. He only has two hits in his last 19 at-bats. No extra base hits. Slashing 105, 105, 105. I, that, I've, that's pretty amazing that his average on base and slugging are all exactly the same, but he is ice cold. Yes, we'll take that. Stay cold. It's going to be cold in Chicago for these upcoming days games, so I'm fine if he stays ice cold, Crowley. Yep. He's a guy I see wearing, you know, Double batting gloves, double long underwear. That's supposed to warm up, so we'll see what happens. Not to Padre weather, though, Crowley. No, not Padre weather. <laughs> All right, Crowley. Let's hear about some predictions. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Three-game set versus the Padres. Um, based on the pitching matchups, I think they've got one for sure. I think Tuesday night is a is a Cubs W for sure, can Drew Smiley put together another really nice game? We'll have to wait. That's the game. I think I think it could either be Cubs 2 out of 3 or the Padres 2 out of 3. I think the middle game is going to be the most important. Right now, I have, uh, I have little uh, faith in Hayden Wisniewski, so I think they'll get to him. Yeah, I got the I got the Cubs winning two out of three, taking game one and taking game two. The weather is going to start getting a little back to normal, so I think that that helps – Everybody, including the Cubs. Fingers crossed, Crowley. Fingers crossed. Well, that's and a wrap. All right, that's a wrap. Season 2, Episode 30. Drew Smiley, nearly perfect the Cubs. Well, not so much. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W on Facebook. Fly the W670 on Instagram. You can email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com, and now you can watch it. YouTube. TV by subscribing to 670 The Score and the YouTube channel there. Crowley, have a great start to your week. You and I will get back together Wednesday or Thursday of the week coming up. Yes, I will be at the game actually on Wednesday, the Drew Smiley versus Michael Walker. So if you're in the area, stop by. Hit so we me are up. talking till Thursday. <laughs> We're talking Thursday. So stop on by and hit me up and we'll grab a beer and we'll sit down and talk and say, Go Cubs! It's all over.